The following podcast is a program segment from the Midday Moments program with Gary Duncan. Join Gary for two hours of sacred music, along with moments of faith, family, and fun. Listen to AM 850 in St. Louis, or on the live stream at kfuo.org. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere, KFUO Radio. AM 850 KFUO Worldwide at KFUO.org. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and of course, wherever you get your podcast. Just search out KFUO Radio. This is the Midday Moments program. I'm your host, Gary Duncan. It's time now for our Moment of Faith with Pastor Doug Nicely. Good afternoon, Pastor Nicely. Good afternoon, Gary. Good to talk to you today. We were talking about the catechism uh, right. the last few weeks, and we finished out all Ten Commandments. Right. We've got the uh, Ten Commandments, the Apostles' Creed, and then after that comes uh, the uh, petitions, the askings in the Lord's Prayer. So uh, anyway, that's that's the plan, at least for the next few weeks. So I just want to make sure that all of our listeners are up to snuff on what we're doing here. Well, great. And what is the first article of the Apostles' Creed? It goes like this. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. That's the whole thing. And, and so the Apostles' Creed talks about God being Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the Apostles' Creed is not in the Bible. But everything that's talked about in the Apostles' Creed, of course, is in the Bible, because we know God to be a trinity, a triune being, a three-in-one. So this is the first person of the Trinity, God the Father. Let me give you a little scripture quote to begin with. Uh, The psalmist tells us, The earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof, the world, and all those who dwell therein. Uh, And I think this is really kind of a, a way of introducing us to what we're talking about in the Apostles' Creed. Over the centuries, many writers have attempted to explain in some more detail exactly what it means that God is the Father Almighty. You could see Martin Luther's explanation in the uh, Catechism as the most down-to-earth ones of all. Luther sees God as the giver of everything that we call our own in this world, and this is his list. God has given me and still preserves my body and soul, eyes, ears, all limbs and senses, reason and all mental facilities. Uh, In addition, God daily and abundantly provides shoes and clothing, food and drink, house and home, and children, fields, livestock, and all property, along with all the necessities that nourish this body and life. It's interesting that when Luther talks about this stuff, uh, I learned years ago by somebody who was trying to teach me something profound, that if uh, Luther talked about God giving shoes He was talking about something that was privileged in the uh, medieval world. There's a little bit more to this than that. Let me quote a little bit from Tim Wingert, another uh, Lutheran writer and commentator. It's interesting that many of Luther's Germany couldn't count on owning God's good gifts of fields, livestock, and property. This is indeed an exclusive list when you take a look at what he wrote. But Wingert says, maybe you can understand it this way. There's also another far more interesting reason that Luther made such a specific exclusive list. He was talking about himself. Or rather, he was confessing his faith. I believe that God made me. Points to a very specific me, namely Luther himself, which is what Luther said in the Catechism. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know we can all we can all have our lists of things that uh, that that God made for us. 
And basically what he's trying to say is that already here, when we're talking about confessing the faith that we have in God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, it always gets personalized and it always gets applied. That's one of the things I learned in a Bible study I was involved in uh, a few months ago. Um, In fact, I was sending emails to all of you about it. This is from uh, St. Paul's letter to the Romans. It seems like every time St. Paul puts together a doctrine in Romans, he then turns around and, and tells us what that means specifically about how that has something to do with our lives lived in Christ. And then he sings a, a, a hymn of praise because he realizes that it's true. So it's kind of interesting to see all this. Now, when we talk about God the Father, the creator of heaven and earth, we begin to get ourselves into this discussion about uh, science. And you can't really talk too terribly much about the first article without um, arguing about scientific theory. Let me uh, quote a little thing in that direction. We too easily get ourselves caught up in the debate with the Bible about evolution. And those who are scientific cannot accept the claim that the Bible of the Bible of the world and universe are only thousands of years old, as opposed to millions and billions of years old. Listen to what psychiatrist M. Scott Peck wrote back in 1993 in his book, Waiting to be Born. An interesting guy, Scott Peck, uh, not considered by many uh, conservative Christians as being all that credible a witness, but yet he did come to faith in Christ. And this is what he says about the opening chapters of Genesis. He says the first three chapters of Genesis, along with their insights, constitute a surprisingly accurate account of evolution. The sequence of creation recorded in Genesis 1 over 3,000 years ago, first light, then stars, then land and water, then plants and other creatures, and finally human beings, corresponds exactly to what our 20th century, or we could say now 21st century, scientific understanding of the development order. It's interesting that exactly the same thing is listed. And the only thing we're arguing about is whether the world is millions and billions of years old as opposed to thousands of years old. Now, the reason I believe that the world is thousands of years old is because of the uh, is because of the flood. And I think that uh, God can create in a worldwide flood the same things that would take ice mounds thousands of years to to accomplish yeah. or millions of years to mm-hmm. accomplish it's like mount st helens when that blew up uh, years ago and destroyed all that land around there the scientists are amazed on how fast that has really come back that uh, trees and everything there yeah because they, they tend to think that it's it's supposed to take uh, a long time millions of years old and yeah. uh, that's that's not necessarily the way the created order works mm-hmm. that's our theory uh, I have several friends when I worked at the hospital who were, of course, into science, and uh, and I explained uh, to one of them one time, since I had worked at the hospital with them and I knew a little bit about uh, health care, I said, you know, just because you have a diagnosis doesn't necessarily mean that it's accurate. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> That's scary. Yeah, it but, is. You know, there are sometimes people say, you know, you're only going to live for six months, and uh, they recover. Yeah, <laughs> and and survive. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got to take it all very seriously. But at any rate, uh, the Bible also reminds us repeatedly that God's steadfast love endures forever. Mm-hmm. That phrase is repeated as a chorus throughout Psalm 136. It is meant to bring us comfort about the God who owns everything. And that's how he would uh, like each of us to know him, 
that he owns everything. And it's important for us to understand that he owns everything for not just his purposes, but also to give us his gifts, you know, which gets us back to Luther. Right. And that gets, gets us back to what you said about you could put me in several of the verses of the Bible. And, you know, the supper, this is my body and blood given and shed for you me yeah <laughs> it or says you but i'm yeah. thinking me yeah because that's what it's really saying it's for me for forgiveness yeah. of sins mm-hmm. so that that comes that's so true and so much of scripture that you could put that word in there that it's for me you know and and once again i was so impressed i had never noticed this before when i was studying romans all the other times i have over the years but St. Paul, whenever he says a doctrine, I've said this before, but I want to say it again to make sure that you get it. Whenever St. Paul passes on a doctrine to us, he always personalizes it. He explains what that means, what that doctrine means. Mm-hmm. And that's just what Luther was doing when he took a look at the first article. He says, yeah, yeah, this is it. This is what God gave me when he created the heavens and the earth. Fantastic. Can you lead us in a prayer? Certainly. Lord, you have certainly, cheerfully, and wonderfully made each and every one of us. Teach us today to acknowledge everything we are inclined to call our own as gifts from you. For we pray in the name of our Lord Jesus, who has freed us to live with such faith. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Nicely. You're welcome, Gary. We'll talk to you again next week about the second article. Sounds great. I look forward to it. All right.